What I've learned over the years is that when people have come to me and said these words, that they can't hear God's guidance or hear God's voice, I'm starting to realize what they really mean is that they wish God would show them an easier way or even a different way. It's not that God wasn't speaking, but he wasn't speaking what they wanted to hear. In the next few moments, we're going to see this played out in the Old Testament, in the book of 1 Samuel. In fact, the children of Israel were in trouble. They have just faced a tragedy with massive lives that were lost. They have prayed and they asked God for direction. And here it comes. Israel asked God, but never stopped to hear from God. Why? Because when they eventually heard from God, It was 20 years too late, and it's not what they wanted to hear in the first place. See, God doesn't guide those who want to run their own life, but he guides those that will obey his counsel. When the children of Israel finally listened to what God said, it was two decades old, and a bunch of lives were lost. And that's why today, I want us to hear from God now. So all the the collateral damage and everything can be put aside and we can go forward to what God wants to do in our lives right now. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, please help us in these next few moments to hear what you are saying to us. Father, around New York, around the country and around the world, you are speaking, Lord God, to people's lives. And we pray today would be no exception. Not only speak, but help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. A pastor asked asked his minister friend, um, do you have a deaf ministry in your church? And his reply was epic. He said, there are times when I think my whole church needs a deaf ministry because no one seems to be listening anymore. See, there is a difference between listening and hearing. Jesus often cried out these words after he spoke a message. And these were the words, he who has ears to hear let him hear. Would that cry suggest that Jesus is crying out? That it takes more than physical ears to hear the voice of God. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews 3, 7, 8 says. He says these words. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. See, hearing God's voice and soft hearts, they go together. Now, here's the question. As we go to 1 Samuel, why is Israel's heart hard when 1 Samuel begins? Okay, here it comes. Because 1 Samuel picks up where the book of Judges finishes. Now, I understand that the book of Ruth is between it, but that's just the sub-story. But literally, where Judges ends, 1 Samuel begins. And I want to read to you the last verse of the book of Judges. This is what it says, 2125. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Here it comes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You see, when Israel was in the right place spiritually, this is what it would say about them. They were doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, when you end the book of Judges, it was right in their own eyes. Israel and its relationship with God was at its lowest It wasn't that God wasn't speaking. It's that Israel wasn't listening. And it's only hope for a word from God, a word from heaven, was an 11-year-old boy who was being trained by a prophet and a priest who had his own problems, 
But that little boy's name was Samuel. This is what it says. It says in, in 1 Samuel 3, 1, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days and visions were infrequent. Remember, it wasn't that God wasn't speaking. It was Israel wasn't listening. And as Samuel in 1 Samuel 3 is learning to hear the voice of God in that chapter, the next chapter 4 begins with Israel's enemy getting ready to attack the people of God. In fact, it says in 1 Samuel 4 too, the, Phil the Philistines drew up in battle array to meet Israel. I want to pause for a second because I want to share with you something that I pray and try to pray every single day. In fact, I prayed it this morning. And it's it's a it's a grouping of prayer that I I I, I ask the Lord for Times Square Church. I have a moment of gratitude, a moment of protection, pleading the blood of Jesus, a moment that I pray for his anointing and also his provision. And after each one of those things, there's a verse that I'll pray, but there's one spot that I'll always ask God for wisdom and direction. And my verse after that comes from 2 Samuel chapter 5. It was David's first battle against the Philistines. Much like 1 Samuel chapter 4, this is in 2 Samuel chapter 5. In fact, I remember how David defeated the Philistines right after he was anointed king. In fact, it says in 2 Samuel 5, 17, that when the Philistines heard that they anointed David, immediately they came against them in battle formation. But here's what the first thing David did before going to battle. David inquired of the Lord in verse 19 and asked the question, shall I go up? And God says to him, go. That, and they won the battle, David's first battle as king. Then here's what's interesting. The Philistines came back a second. And this is why this passage is really important to me in asking for direction. The Philistines come back a second time after they're defeated and instead of David assuming, let's go, just like we did the first time, the Bible says he pauses in verse 23 and says, he inquires of the Lord and says, shall I go up? The very thing he prayed the first time. And this time, it blows me away. God says, do not go up. See, the first time God goes, go up. The second time, it says, do not go up. David wins with go up. And then David wins with don't go up, but circle around from behind him. And this is why this is important. I need to hear from the Lord every day, every day. And don't just, I can't just assume that because it was right this day, it's right the next day. I need to hear from God. We need to hear from the Lord every single day. Israel and the Philistines go to battle just like David did in 2 Samuel 5, but they didn't pray before the battle. And Israel that day lost 4,000 men. This is what it says in 4.2. When the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines who killed 4,000 of them, 4,000 men on the battlefield. And here's the part that is amazing to me. Israel did not pray before this battle, what should we do? But Israel prayed after the battle, why did this happen? Now, this is, this is key to even part of this story. See, those who live a life of prayer will ask God for direction before instead of reasons after. See, they ask what direction first, the people of prayer, instead of asking why did this happen? Why did this tragedy happen later? I think of that incredible old hymn. Here it is, what a friend we have in Jesus. You know that hymn. 
Come on, think of these words. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. I love this word. Everything. Philistines. Uh, college, everything. Should I invest? Should I go take this job? Everything to God in prayer. But here it comes. Here it comes. This is this hymn. Think about 1 Samuel chapter 4 and the loss of 4,000 men. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear. And then the hymn writer gives us the answer. All because we don't, do not carry everything to God in prayer. It's the next verse after the tragic loss of 4,000 soldiers of the needless pain that they were bearing because they ask why and not what should we do. Listen to it. This is 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 3. When the people came into the camp, the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? See, after the defeat, they start asking this question, such an important question. And in fact, many times after tragedy, after loss, we all have legit why questions after that happens. Think about it. Why is COVID still going on? Why can't I find a job? Why can't we have church? Why did I get COVID even after being vaccinated? Why did my results say that I have cancer? Why am I still single? Why can't we have a child? And so many times these why questions are legit. And the problem is that with some questions we ask God, with some of our why questions, we ask God why we should have started the journey with what? What do you want me to do? What is the right course of action? What does your word say here? But there is another problem when you read that passage in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 3. And here is a huge problem. Sometimes we ask God questions, here it comes, but expect him to answer with our answer or confirm what we think the answer should be. I'm not really sure we want to know what God has to say. Think for a moment. Let's get crazy with this. Can you imagine what if our political leaders in our country ask God about COVID? I'm not sure they want to hear what God has to say. That's why we don't even ask him. And when we do, we're hoping he confirms what we think the answer should be. Because the problem for us and what we see here for Israel is we do have questions for God. And problem, we have answers for God. We have questions for God. And the problem is we have, we have answers for God. They asked a question of God, why did this happen? But we're never interested in his answer. See, Israel scripted the answer to their own question. They didn't even pause long enough. I, I, I almost could see in heaven God opening up his mouth to answer. And before they can begin to cry out, I mean, to hear the voice of God, they come up with their own answer and script it. Get the Ark of the Covenant. You want to know why did 4,000 men die? God is about to answer. And we're going to see what that answer is 20 years later. God is about to answer. God's mouth is open. They go, get the Ark of the Covenant. They just scripted their own answer. It kind of reminds me of the crazy story of the parents who said they heard their, their child, their, their, their six-year-old child praying, kneeling on the side of his bed, praying before he was going to, to sleep and said, Lord, bless mom. God bless dad. Bless all my family and give me a good night's sleep. And then suddenly the boy stopped and shouted, and don't forget to give me a bicycle for my birthday. And then the mom comes in and says, Johnny, 
God's not deaf. He says, I know God's not deaf, but grandma in the next room is. Come on, folks. He was scripting something here. That boy expected his answer to come from grandma and not from God. And I think the children of Israel's grandma was that they thought was going to be the Ark of the Covenant. So they put on this big production in 1 Samuel 4. The Ark is coming into camp. Shouting is coming out. And while the people are shouting, heaven is weeping. God, heaven is, is dumbfounded going, you asked me a question. You asked God a question and never paused to get the answer. They didn't need the Ark of the Covenant for their next step. You're going to see later that, that God was looking for repentance and obedience as their next step. The Ark of the Covenant was not the answer on how to defeat the Philistines. In fact, what happened after the Ark of the Covenant came back to Israel, they go into another battle against the Philistines. And this time, they did bring the Ark of the Covenant. I want to read to you what happened. Verse 10. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. This is with the Ark. This is with their answer. This is with, Grandma, give me a bicycle. And every man fled to his tent. And the slaughter this time was very great. Here it comes. For there fell this time, not 4,000, but 30,000 foot soldiers in Israel. And the loss got even crazier. A loss with the Ark of the Covenant, with their answer. that They asked God and come up with their own answer. Not only was there a loss with the Ark of the Covenant, they lose 30 more thousand of their soldiers. The Ark of the Covenant was taken from them Eli's two sons, the priest, were killed. When Eli hears that his two sons were killed, Eli falls backwards, breaks his neck, and he dies. And the chapter ends with a baby being born that day whose name was Ichabod. The glory has departed. This is a bad chapter. You ask God a question and you decided. You know the answer to the question. That's why I think through this all the time. When I read this, I kept asking myself the question, do you really want to know what God has to say? What will, will you give God time to talk if I really want to know what he has to say? Because here's what's crazy. Israel got God's answer, but it was 20 years later. And we're going to show you that. That there could have been, think of this, they could have had their answer two decades earlier and 34,000 lives could have been saved. I was reading an excerpt from Max Lucado's book, Gentle Thunder. It was a parable. Listen to what Max writes. Once there was a man who dared God to speak. Burn the bush like you did for Moses and I will follow. Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua and I will fight. Still the waves like you did in Galilee and I will listen. And then he says this. So the man sat by a bush near a wall close to the sea, and waited for God to speak. And God heard the man, so God answered. Here it comes. He sent fire, not a bush, sent fire to his church. He brought down a wall, not of bricks, but of sin. He stilled the storm, not of the sea, but of the soul. And God waited for the man to respond. And God waited, and God waited, and God waited. But because the man was looking at bushes, bricks and seas, he decided, he scripted, God has done nothing. And then finally the man, I want you to get this, finally the man looked to God and asked, have you lost your power? And God looked at him and said, have you lost your hearing? How 
horrific is it that you wouldn't wait long enough or be alert enough to hear what God had an answer for you. That 34,000 lives are, are lost because you just wouldn't listen. What a contrast between 1 Samuel 3 with a young boy who's saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Think of that. A little boy is listening to God. A little 11-year-old boy in 1 Samuel 3, and a whole nation is deaf to God in 1 Samuel 4. I heard one person say it like this, because remember the famous words of, of the young boy Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I heard one person say this, for every one person that says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, there are 10 others that are saying, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. Help me, God, to listen more. What you have to say is a lot more important than what I even have to say. And that's why this is incredible. You know, I, my mind goes back to a man who asked God, God in the flesh, such, such an epic question, face to face, a leader and God in the flesh, Jesus, but had no time for his answer. It, it, it looked so much like 1 Samuel chapter 4. It was Pilate and Jesus. You ready for this? This was the question. Pilate said to him, Jesus, what is truth? And do you see what follows after this in John 18, 38? And when he had said this, he went out. He, he didn't even give God, he didn't even give God in the flesh, Jesus, who is truth, even a chance just to speak. Recently, I've been talking to different leaders and pastors from around the country that, that, that were asking me certain questions during this pandemic and for the church and for their personal lives. And some of them didn't want an answer. They wanted an arc. They kind of scripted what they wanted me to say. For, for, for one, I've just asked, do you pray? Another, do you read the word? Another, do you pray with your wife? All these things. It's amazing how many really don't want the answer, but they wanted some magical thing. They, it's almost like, it's almost like they didn't want to hear what the, what the answer was. Pray, get in the word, seek the face of God, call your church to prayer. What they wanted to do is they wanted to become kind of like Indiana Jones and get the magical ark and not like Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What a contrast we have today. People looking for a magic answer like an ark that think it's going to solve everything. This is so important, not only for us as a church, I know it's important for Cindy and I that each night I asked, I was telling one, one leader, I said every single night, Cindy and I have to take this time to ask God to pray over our marriage, to pray over our children, to pray over our families, that people would be born again and so many different things that we've been praying for. And, and because I don't want to hear from God late. And I realize you can only know now through prayer and listening, or you wait 20 years later. I don't want to, to sacrifice my children, my marriage, ministry, because I won't listen when I ask God. I, I want to script out to you what I think should have happened, and I don't think I'm far from the truth when I think about what took place 20 years later in 1 Samuel chapter 7, just the three chapters over. See, what was the answer to their victory? What answer did they get 20 years later that should have been put in 1 Samuel 4. Stay with me now, because it wasn't an ark. The answer came in chapter 7, when it really should have come all the way back in chapter 4. Listen to 1 Samuel 7.3. This was the answer. When they asked, why did this happen? 
Listen to 1 Samuel 7, 3. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel. If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone. You ready for this? He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. That, that's the word of God. And what's crazy is the verse right before that, 1 Samuel 7, 2 says it was 20 years later that they got this answer. 20 years, two decades later is when they get this. This was supposed to happen after 4-3. Here's what I think maybe should have played out. Can I, can I just speculate what should have played out if they were not only asking, but also listening, how, what should have played out for Israel? So they asked the question, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? If they would have listened, then they would have got the words. If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the ashtoreth among you, direct your hearts to the Lord, serve them alone, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So what did Israel do in first sense 20 years later? What did Israel do? Listen to verse four. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals and Ashtoreth. There's no Ark of the Covenant on this. It was removal, not addition. They removed the Baals, Ashtoreth, and served the Lord alone. Get ready now, folks. What did God do in response to that? So God speaks, Israel obeys. God God, they ask the question, God speaks, Israel obeys. What does God do? Here it comes. First Samuel 7, 9, it says, and Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. Here it comes. Now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering and the Philistines drew near in battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day against the Philistines, confused them so that they were routed before Israel. The men of Israel went out of Mizpah, pursued the Philistines, struck them down as far as far as as, as Beth Akar. Listen to this. So the Philistines were subdued. They didn't come anymore within the border of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. This is incredible, folks. Their, their unwillingness to listen to God in chapter four messed up 34,000 families. I, I, I just kept thinking, could that be the case of someone today? Could it be the case of a father that just hasn't prayed or just hasn't listened to God, that, that's moving forward without listening? There are people that are listening today that's without, because you haven't heard God to go up or not go up. It may have cost you your marriage, your ministry, a career, your health, your children, your future. Choose today to listen. I realize this, Israel never lost the battle because the enemy was too strong. Israel lost battles because they were too weak spiritually. I think 1 Samuel 4 gives us the reality of Israel's spiritual life. They thought this, we have the ark, we're good. They didn't need a box. They needed God. They didn't need a production and shouting. They needed God. They, they didn't need to, to come up with their own answer. They needed to ask, listen, and then you saw God not only rout the Philistines, but keep them from the borders. They thought if they just add this, let's, let's add these things to the church, these things to the ministry, these things to our home. And God goes, no, 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 no. It may be the removal of some things. And then God shows up. That's why I think this is so key for us. I want to give you a few words on prayer to get us ready, not only for reopening on September 12th, but I think it's even to get us ready, listen now, to get us ready for next week. Because next week, we're taking three days of prayer and fasting. 
on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, August 24th, 25th, and 26th. We'll, we'll come right from here, the studio, at 6 a.m. We're gonna go live so that even our friends from around the world can join us. We're gonna worship. There's gonna be a short exhortation, and then we're gonna spend three days in prayer, ask you to fast with us, and we're gonna to begin to pray for our church as we enter into a new season and get ready for reopening. We're gonna to begin to pray on the second day for our students as they're going into a brand new year with new challenges. And then we're gonna pray for our faith, for our believers all over New York City and the country and the world that are about to face new battles. So with all of this happening from a new season for the church, a new year for our students, and really um, a new battles for our faith, we want to be ready by taking that time, not only to pray, but to really hear from God. I, I just want to give you three quick things. I want you to jot these down because I, I learned this. This is what I, I feel like God kept showing me from 1 Samuel 4. Three quick things. Number one, if you talk to God, then let him answer. In those three days that we're going to pray, I want us to hear from God, not just talk to him. Because prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. Don't speak and keep speaking. Speak to God and let's take time to listen. This is revolutionary. I believe this. Here it is. I believe when you talk to God, he talks back. Remember, in chapter three, Samuel asked the 11-year-old boy and listened, and Israel asked and didn't listen. Listen what happens in 1 Samuel 3.10. Such an opposite response then the Lord came and stood and called his other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, see, here it is. It's revolutionary. Speak to God and he'll talk back. The Lord said, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel, which both the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I was reading the story of E. Stanley Jones, the, the great missionary to India, who told a story in his in, in his in his light in, in his biography, about a time he was about to board a plane. These, these are his words, and he said in his spirit, he said he heard in his spirit, "Don't get on that plane." He learned later that that plane not only crashed, but there was there was massive life loss. And he shared his experience with someone, and they said to him, "You mean to say that you were the only one God told to get off that plane?" To which E. Stanley Jones simply said, "By no means." He says, but is it possible that I was the only one listening? Wow. See, I just have to tell you, if you talk to God, let him respond. Let him answer. Let him talk back. Number two, decide obedience even before the answer. Sometimes we get it backwards. We say, God, speak, and I'll listen, and then I'll decide. When in actuality, it's we have to obey. Then God speaks and even sometimes he explains. See, I, I just want to say to you, these words are going to sound familiar. Whatever he says, do it. See, that was the only commandment. The, 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 the virgin mother of God, Jesus, uh, the mother of Jesus, Mary, ever gave. The only command she ever gave was John 2, 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. There is no, there is no discussion. And finally, Truth is not far. The answers are not far away. See, the wisdom and direction of God is not as hidden as people think. Remember what we said at the very beginning? People that say they have a difficulty to hear God's guidance or God's voice are really saying God's not telling them what they want to hear. They're looking for an easier way or a different answer. 
We, we have, we have just had a hard time. Why? We're trying to find the answer we, that, that we want, not the answer that we need. That's the why question that they were dealing with. The answer that God has for us, I believe, is easier than we think because truth is not far. But, but to find the answer we want, that's becomes, I believe, us just beginning to make it up and get a select group of people around just to say and what we, whatever we want to hear. Whatever God wants to say to us, I believe he makes it available, readily available. Listen to these words. I want to bring you back. These words are so critical to this as we get ready to close. It's Deuteronomy chapter 30. Listen to what God says. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you, and it's not beyond your, your reach. This, these are powerful words, and I'm going to show you why. He said, it's not these words, what I'm telling you today, it's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who's going to go up to heaven to get it and proclaim to us so we can obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you have to ask who's going to cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us that we may obey it. No, here it comes, verse 14. The word is very near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you can obey it. See, verse 15, I set before you today life and prosperity death and destruction. I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commandments, his decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering in to possess. That's so powerful. Think of that again. He says the word is very near you, that the truth is not far away. God makes it available. Now, here's my question. Why is it that Deuteronomy, this passage, is so important? You ready for this? Because the Apostle Paul repeats it in Romans 10. And what comes next? He's dealing with the most important decision you will ever make in your life. You're going to hear Deuteronomy 30 in Romans 10. Here it comes. The Apostle Paul says, but what does it say? He's about to quote it now. The word is near you. That's 3014 of Deuteronomy. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That's the word of faith that we are preaching. And then Paul says this, here it comes. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you see what the apostle Paul just did? He connected how close the word is to the most important decision of your life. He said to be born again, to be saved from hell, to have an eternity in heaven. He says, it's not difficult to figure out. It's not difficult. That word, the truth is not far from you today. Those that are listening, it's right there. Peter Marshall was pastor of the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. and was appointed as the chaplain of the United States Senate. And it was so greatly used by God for leading many, many people to Christ right there on Capitol Hill. He was trying to avoid ministry in his early years. In fact, he was trying to avoid it and go into the Navy, but he failed the test to get into the Navy. And after failing his test, Peter Marshall writes in his book, he says, after failing my, the test of the Navy, I took a shortcut home across a desolate, a desolate area that I've never been before. And he says, and while I was walking in this area with, with great fog, in front of me. I couldn't see what was ahead. 
He said, but I heard something. I heard my name, Peter. He stopped and said, who is that? But kept on walking. He said, when I heard it again, I heard my name, Peter. Who is that? But I kept on walking. And then the third time I heard my name, Peter, I fell on my knees and I knew it was God. I fell on my knees right there in the fog, couldn't even see my hand in front of me and surrendered my future to God. That he little did he know he'd become a pastor and then the Senate of the chaplain speaking the gospel and sharing the gospel with the most powerful men in the United States. And here's what's amazing. Peter Marshall said when he was getting off the floor, off the ground, after he surrendered his future to God, failing the Navy test and realizing, God, my life belongs to you, he writes that when he was getting off his knees to push down, put his hands in front of him to push down, he said his hands went into the air. There was nothing there for him to, 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 to lean on, to get up. And Peter Marshall says, there was literally a cliff and a precipice in front of him of a rock quarry that was hundreds of feet down. That literally, it was not God just saving his life by saying his name. It was God beginning to spare his life so he can save other lives. If he took one more step without yielding to God, Peter Marshall wrote, he would have plummeted to his death. And that, that would have been just one death avoided that day. Not 34,000, but that one life led countless lives away from the precipice of hell. That's why Peter Marshall's words are so powerful. He wrote these words, the proof of how real Jesus knew hell to be is that he came to earth to save us from it. Listen to me. I don't want you to waste 20 years like the children of Israel did and lives later and the collateral damage that went on. Families that have been so messed up because elders asked questions and wouldn't stop to hear from God. I don't want you to waste 20 years. I don't want you to waste 20 minutes. I don't want you to waste 20 seconds. I don't want you to, to take one more step, push down, and there's nothing there. I am telling you, today, this moment is the day of salvation. If you really want to know what God has to say to you, Deuteronomy 30, 14, the truth, truth is near. How near? The Apostle Paul says, it's so close. It's in your mouth. And that's why the next verse says, that if you confess, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Here it comes. You will be saved. Another word for being saved, Jesus uses the word born again. Why does he use that word? It, it, it's a picture word. It's a, it's, it's a word that he's saying, just as you were born the first time, you need to be born a second time. See, the first time we're all born physically, but it's a choice. We had no choice in the first birth, but we have a choice today to be born spiritually with a second birth. That's what it means to be born again. First time physically, the second time spiritually. And this is what keeps us from the precipice. This is what keeps us from plummeting into hell. If I was to ask you today, how do you get to heaven? So many people have so many different answers. Um, I, I took communion. I was baptized. I, 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 I was christened. My parents are religious. I'm a good person. All those are good answers. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus told us in John 3, 3, that unless a man, a woman, is born again, he will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That means that if we're not born again, our next steps are so dangerous. There is nothing, to, like Peter Marshall, there is nothing in front of us. 
but to plummet downward. And I'm telling you, Jesus said this, you must, John 3, 5, you must be born again. Pastor Tim, what does that mean? Well, we tell you every single week, it's as simple as ABC. I wanna make it as clear as I can before you take any other step. I don't want you to waste another year, another month, another day. I don't want you to go into Monday without making this decision today. I don't want you to go into Sunday afternoon without making this decision. It's as simple as ABC. A, admitting that, that I am a sinner. It's when I get honest with God that all of us have a condition called sin. It can't be fixed with a priest, a pastor, a promise, not even a program. And we need help to fix this. I'm broken on the inside. And the diagnosis is sin. Or as one pastor said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? That's the B word, believe. Believing that God sent his son to fix that sinful condition. I can't fix myself. If we could fix this ourselves, then putting God and his son through, through the suffering that he did would be the ultimate case of child abuse. It's not what God did. He didn't send his son to die and go through that pain and then say, do your best. That's not what God did. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, then Jesus didn't have to come and die on the cross. Jesus's death for me was him becoming my sin bearer, dying the death that I should have died, living the life I couldn't live on my own and giving me a reward, heaven and forgiveness that I didn't even deserve. And then finally, it's see, confessing Jesus. That's Romans 10, 9. Confessing Jesus as Lord. The apostle Paul said that it's that close. God did not send his son to die on the cross simply to change a day of the week for us and say, on Sundays, I'm taking one day away from your weekends. I want you to go to church. That's not why he came. He didn't come to change a day of the week. He came to change our lives. When you confess Jesus as Lord, that's a strong word. It means you're in charge now. The word actually means you're the boss. You have veto power. What you say goes. If you say, don't take another step, if you say, like you did to the children of Israel, get rid of those idols, stop, or to David, go up, don't go up. It's God, you're in charge now. You order my steps. See, coming, coming to church on Sunday, religion says, come to church one day a week. Relationship, that's being born again, wants you not just one day a week, but every day of the week. That's why Christianity is not coming to a place, but it's coming to a person. And just as you had a first birth today, you can have a second birth. It can all change right now. Don't waste years. Don't waste weeks. Don't waste months. Today, listen. Listen to God's voice. Some of you have listening and it says now your heart has to respond to it. If you're, if you're going, this is right. Pastor Tim, what do I need to do? I want you to pray a prayer with me. I want you to pray a born again prayer. Whether you're sitting by yourself, whether you're in a college dorm, waiting in an airport, whether you're listening on, on, on a bus or on a, on a train, you're listening in your home. Maybe you have your children there next to you for the weekend because, because you're, you not listening to God has caused a separation or a divorce in your family. But today, today, God wants to change you. I want you to pray a prayer with me. I want you to say it out loud if you can, wherever you're at, whether you're a student, whether you're a senior, it doesn't matter. I want you to take that next step that changes your life, that, that the precipice now is gone and now I'm walking into the future that God has for me. Come on, say this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, 
my shame and my guilt and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.